Hello, hello. And welcome to Hometown Daily. Let's get straight into it. <clears throat> hello, everybody. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI that keeps everything in check. Want to introduce yourself? Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey. Today is Season 2, Episode 158 for June 7th, 2023. We're titling this one, You Must Be Road Tripping, Man, and more news. So we've already selected 12 of the articles. You can always get to them by way of the show notes. If you're watching the VOD, look at the show notes. If you're looking over on YouTube, the show notes are there. Podcast, um, it's there. Pretty much everywhere. I just found out today that um, Pocket Cast wasn't listing uh, Ometown, <laughs> uh, even though uh, I was assured that it was. And um, because of the way that the process works, I didn't actually go and look at Pocket Cast. So I learned today that it hasn't been listed there. So uh, I'm going to go and audit everything because, yeah, I, I rely sometimes on people doing their their job but anyway um not a big deal in the grand scheme of things because i'm mostly here on twitch so uh, i hope to see you here over on twitch so come to twitch.tv slash hometown every day 9 p.m i'm actually streaming throughout the day uh, off and on um now as well and i'll be ramping up more time um in fact tonight uh, starting at midnight Actually, around 11, I'm going to be streaming Diablo until tomorrow, um, approximately when I collapse at my desk um, from exhaustion, because I will have been up for more than 24 hours. So at any rate, we're going to get into the news and I hope to see you tonight and uh, every day from now on, now that you know. So let's get into the news. Sound good? Sounds great. The very first article is in the Late Night Geeks channel. Um, that's actually where I'll be streaming at night. That will be the content, um, the category, the channel. Although it'll be here on Twitch at Ometown, it'll still be a category um, called Late Night Geeks. It's a community. Um, I'm actually considering Ometown After Dark, but after dark is subjective so because we are a global community you could be anywhere and it's not dark for you so unless you put yourself in my shoes here in hometown um, it won't be dark at any rate the this very first article is one that we've been monitoring um, over the last what year now new york city sues kia and hyundai over car thefts that went viral on tiktok um, this is an interesting situation because I can't say that nobody would know about this, but TikTok definitely amplified the messaging and made it so that it was a challenge sent out to, oh, I don't know. How do you want to categorize somebody that engages in criminal and miscreant, uh, uh, thieves, robbers, <laughs> malcontent thieves, um, violators of the social contract contract I, I don't know i don't know what you know criminal 
Um, so people were actually breaking into uh, Kias and Hyundais and with something as simple as a USB key starting the car. Yeah. Um, so in the lawsuit, the U.S. Attorney's Office. Oh, this is. Uh, so it's from The Verge. So let's just go over to it. Um, the Kia boys phenomenon results in another lawsuit for Kia and Hyundai which are being criticized for failing to include anti-theft technology in their cars. Basically, you could, like a 9-volt battery, you could just like stick it on your tongue and get a zap. That's all that was needed, really, to start up a Kia or Hyundai. Um, Andrew J. Hawkins over at The Verge put the article together. And um, it says in the lawsuit, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York claims the automakers were guilty of negligence by failing to include and they, what really should be listed here is the word basic. <laughs> Include basic <laughs> anti-theft <Right>. devices <laughs> in their cars. Um, that would have made them much harder to steal. Yeah. I mean, in the 80s, we used to have to put a thing referred to as the club or something like that, which was basically this ratcheting thing that would lock the steering wheel in place because we didn't have real anti-theft um, services in the plurality of cars. So people would buy this $19 lock picking lawyer, uh, kind of easily bypassed by the lock picking lawyer device. He could probably sit in the car and the, and that device, this anti-theft device would probably just unlock itself and fling itself <laughs> out of the car. If you've never heard of the lockpicking lawyer, go over to YouTube and do a search. Actually, do a Google search anywhere. Hell, he might actually be on hometown somewhere. Um, some reference to the lockpicking lawyer. Anyway, um, how many cars were there? So, uh, I can't remember. Oh, it was something really ridiculous, like 100,000 or something. But let me see. The thefts were reportedly easy to pull off because many Hyundai and Kia vehicles manufactured between 2015 and 2019 lack electronic immobilizers that would prevent would-be thieves from simply breaking in and bypassing the ignition. The feature is standard equipment on nearly all vehicles from the same period. Okay, so it's by nine million have been stolen, but that's not in New York. Right. Yeah. So New York City joins California, Cleveland, Milwaukee, and other jurisdictions that have filed suit against Kia and Hyundai. The companies agreed to a one, or sorry, $200 million settlement stemming from a class action lawsuit brought by people who have had their vehicles stolen. You know, when car thefts rise to the level of uh, class action designation, your enterprise has a much, much bigger problem. Well, they've since remedied it, right? They now have basic immobilizers, basic anti-theft devices in place. So in New York City, it looks like maybe a thousand were stolen in the first few months of the year, which yeah, it's kind of a lot. I'd say so. Yeah, they were by far the biggest... Um, category of vehicles stolen Kia and Hyundai but that's okay Hyundai had uh what state was it that had that child labor working on I mean children oh, really have a hard was, time with I think it was Georgia but I'm not certain yeah there was some plant that had 
I think it was Hyundai, right? Wasn't it Hyundai? I think so. I'm looking that up. Yeah. It was Hyundai. Oh, I'm so sorry. It was not Georgia. It was in Alabama. Oh, Alabama. Eh. Georgia, Alabama. It's I think okay. there was another story, though, that was in Georgia. I don't think that was. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's all kinds of. Anyway, children would have a hard time thinking holistically about the security apparatus that needs to be in a vehicle design. So I'm not surprised that between 2015 and 2019, they would lack electronic immobilizers. It's okay. We can, we, we don't have to fault them for that. So let's, uh, let's go on to the next article. Sound good? Mm-hmm. So the next article is over in uh, Omtown Daily. A crocodile makes history with the first ever virgin birth of its species, researchers say, but none of the 14 eggs hatched, uh, much to scientists' disappointment. So it's not just a phase, Mom. I'm pregnant with 14 eggs. But apparently, because they um, weren't, um, whatchamacallit-ed, uh, uh, yeah, fertilized. Fertilized. There you go. Thank you. Wow, words are hard. Science is harder. Um, they 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 couldn't actually be viable, right? I suppose. So, in a paper published in the Biology Letters Journal on Wednesday, researchers said 14 eggs were found in an 18-year-old crocodile's enclosure in 2018. Well, at least they're at the age of consent. I mean. This is a businessinsider.com article. See, y'all don't see it or hear it, but I'm getting error messages <laughs> from the AI. That is true. <laughs> Kelly McLaughlin over at uh, Business Insider reports this. Um, here is a crocodile um, that's smiling, saying, I had babies. Ah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you'll have to. Watch the VOD, folks, if you're on the podcast. So only uh, one egg. Oh, wait. it They were all... Well, none of them um, hatched, but one had a fetus. Um, it, had, it lacked paternal genes, so it even spontaneously fertilized. I guess that's maybe that's... Amazing. What, to make an egg, it has to be fertilized... I suppose, but it just couldn't actually become a viable egg. Sorry, I'm, I get distracted by pizza. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, the crocodile lived alone in an exhibit in Parquet Repetilanda. Rep Reptile Repeti Park, basically. <laughs> yeah, Re Repetilandia, sorry, uh, in Costa Rica. So the only possible answer for the eggs is one very lonely park ranger. No, sorry. Um, yeah, spontaneous generation. So uh, in a process that's apparently called facultative parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis, yeah. I, for some reason, I thought that there was another syllable in here, Parthio. Um, it looks anyway. like there is. <laughs> it just goes on and on. AKA asexual re reproduction which is a joke. Oh, flooding. <laughs> yes, exactly. Where is that from? What's uh, that movie biology from? Biology textbooks? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, uh, what is the, what's the movie where the dude's in high school and he ends up um, 
going to the parade and singing. Um, oh, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yeah. Oh, that isn't it. In, um, oh, what is it? War Games. In War Games. Um, the female lead in the uh, in War Games uh, gets questioned by the teacher about who created asexual reproduction and she said the teacher's wife oh wow i didn't remember that part from war games (laughs) she was sent to the uh, principal's office um anyway so it's where an animal becomes pregnant on its own without ever mating um yeah that happens okay so when you read stories about facultative parthenogenesis maybe the people that were involved were actually reptiles just think about that for a moment for all your conspiracy <laughs> needs <laughs> you oh like that you like how i put that one together <laughs> that was pretty nice anyway instead of welcoming baby crocs the researchers opened up the eggs to study them more closely and they didn't find anything viable so Unfortunately, uh, nature is pretty brutal and doesn't care about your emotional state. Um, the offspring was found to have identical genotypes to the mother at a greater than 99.9% of her um, homozygous loci, uh, which basically means that they were identical. They were essentially clones, but without, I guess, some type of differentiator, they weren't going to be viable. And even if they were viable, they probably would have been sterile. Um, so that line would have ended right there anyway, unless they too also um, end up spontaneously reproducing. Was there something in there you wanted to see? Uh, I can't. Oh, okay. Apparently this is common in animals that descend from dinosaurs. Yeah. Quite interesting, and that, that's why this section I titled "When Your Biological Clock Has an Alarm." Yeah, <laughs> stomp, stomp, stomp on the deck of your biological clock, but at some point, you're gonna have offspring, one way or the other. Let's go on to the next article, and then immediately back to the other one because I didn't throw it into the chat but that's okay we're we'll we'll keep moving forward and welcome welcome to anybody who comes into the chat and decides to lurk thanks for coming uh this next article is over in the law nerd channel we talk about law in there uh although context clues um might hint at that that's what we do we talk about tech and law in that Complaint brings extra snark to underscore egregious allegations I always love these this is if i could do anything in law i'm not a lawyer i'm not your lawyer and even if i was an attorney i wasn't i'm not your lawyer so if you want to talk about lawyer things that pertain directly to you and get advice go and see your attorney not me anyway a lawyer has a little bit of fun drafting the complaint if i could do anything in law it would probably be this i would love to just talk about the, the snarkier aspects of law. Um, 
but it is wildly expensive to get access to this stuff. You know, you can't just pull it up and it's free. Yeah, that's true. So let's go over to Above the Law where they're doing the heavy lifting, I suppose. Joe Patrice over at AboveTheLaw.com uh, writes this little article. And um, I, wait a minute, did I not throw that? I didn't even throw that into the chat for crying out loud. Come on, Marowat, you got one job. It consists of 500 other jobs, but it's still one job. Initial pleadings rank among the most boring artifacts of legal writing, and so true. There's some flair and briefing in argument. The cease and desist process is ripe for sarcasm. Opinions provide judges with a whole canvas of personality for good or ill. Even contracts can deliver amusement if one of the parties is an idiot. Or brilliant and leaning into the fact that one of the parties might be an idiot. Anyway, um, all of those are links, by the way, but you'll have to go over to above the law to check that out. So definitely follow the link. Um, anyway, but a complaint is such a dry recitation of facts. Only an answer is more soul suckingly boring than a complaint. But I don't know about that because I've seen some complaints that are pretty rich. You know, the implications that the person that they're complaining about is a complete idiot anyway or the one the attorney out there is very colorful or whatever it is i mean <laughs> um you're actually a little quiet if you can adjust your audio oh great ai there you go um so though one attorney out there found a way to insert emphasis style and personality into the pleadings um apparently a tweet says never seen this before but it packs a wallop and um says stick in the mud practitioners have grumbled that this is inappropriate certainly the lawyer is taking a risk but it's not i like a judge is really going to get into the weeds of a complaint outside of a motion to dismiss and it's para and this paragraph isn't going to play into any dispositive motion would a narc of an opposing counsel whine to the judge about professionalism possibly though no one likes a tattletale. So I'm trying to see what the actual writing is, but I think it's going to end up being at this URL. So let me see. If I thought I can there actually... was something in the actual article. I just can't, um, I can't see it in, in that view. It's okay. I'll, I can show y'all. Let me just drop this out. I'm just losing mine. This is what they wrote. Indeed, after unilaterally closing Mantilla's restaurant because he hired a Hispanic chef, permanently changing the, lo the locks to the Mantilla's restaurant, preventing him from entering or securing his personal effects under threats of police involvement and sending Mantilla a notarized letter repudiating their contract, Defendant PBC hired counsel to unironically claim PEM, quote, defaulted in the performance of his obligations because it, again, quote, completely abandoned the restaurant, left it in an unkempt state in which it always appears closed and refuses to return. And then they highlight 
a section in here that is titled this paragraph intent left intentionally blank to allow the prior paragraph to sink in. <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's basically where I've made. It's akin to when I've made a statement here in uh, Hometown Daily, and uh, you just stop talking. That pregnant pause, uh, exactly. much like a a budding crocodile. <laughs> yeah, I don't see. If it is um, in your data, it's not in mine, so that's okay. We got around it. It'll be when you. It'll be there when you follow the link. It just isn't in. Yeah. Um, so hometown is a secure compartment. So, um, at any rate, you want to go on to the next article? I love this stuff. I wish that I. Go ahead. Uh, I do too. I think these are always entertaining. Yeah, that's why we created this right here well there's a couple of them um where is it there's lawnard um and there's others like right protect um the word and in law i think the, is in there the, the word in law down here is another one so if you're an attorney um and you are uh looking to uh host a one-hour show that talks about something that is of interest to you i mean most attorneys um I don't know if I can speak for most attorneys, but I would say most of my interactions with attorneys have resulted in understanding that they're very passionate about the law, either defending or prosecuting. Um, and uh, they tend to live it. You know, they don't shy away from talking about it when it's brought up. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're interested in hosting a one hour show once a week, um, get in touch with me. Send an email to mayor at hometown.com. Um, pretty neat stuff. Um, it's so complex and arcane that no matter what, you could ask an attorney what two plus two is, and they'll say, Well, there's lots of things to consider. Let's move on. The next article is over in the hometown daily channel. Is that a giant pineapple? Oh man, I had to stop my phrase. Um, weird and wacky attractions for road trippers. Summer is a great time for a road trip and on the way to your destination, take note of these unique roadside attractions. There's something for everyone from pop culture fanatics to art fans to Trekkies. So this is over at uh, Newsweek who apparently is still celebrating their 90th I can't imagine 90 years of Newsweek. All right. I think that's what yeah, that I'm gonna is. I'm going to say something dumb, but I'm not sure there were magazines around at that time. Oh, yeah. Magazines have been around. Um, so Eileen Falkenberg Hull is that's a new name um, for us here in hometown. Anyway, Newsweek.com. Eileen Falkenberg Hull put this article together. Is that a giant? Uh, pineapple weird and wacky attractions for road trippers i believe i've actually seen the giant pineapple um amongst other weird and wacky attractions because uh it used to go across the states uh often enough and um they come and go by the way these things i don't think i've ever seen this one it's a big merino uh looks like a ram it's right? in australia it looks that's like that's the wool yeah that's pretty wild huh i figured that it i guess it's anywhere wherever the road trip might be 
Right. How about you a giant Easter egg? For a scale. I mean, you don't have to scroll back up. But. <laughs> oh, I scrolled. I will scroll here. Let me throw this into chat so that you can follow along as well. If you so choose. If you head over to uh, Australia. So Merino wool. Comes from those. How about uh, the largest Pesanka? A Ukrainian Easter egg at Elks Park in Vegraville, Alberta. I had no idea. Yeah. Star Trek set tour in Ticonderoga, New York. Huh. Do you get a free pencil? I'm sure they never hear that joke. They never hear that joke. An identified an unidentified man walks across a famous Olympic Boulevard in the port zone of Rio de Janeiro with uh, an art mural called Etnias Ethnicities. That's a cool piece of art. I don't know if the unidentified man is part of the exhibit and is just perpetually walking back and forth, but you it's can't prove anything. Um, anyway, that's neat. This is out in the middle of uh Rio de Janeiro as well, right? I guess. No, this is singing. No. This is, yeah, singing ringing tree in the UK. Um, music by Storm in Burnley, England. And there's a whole bunch of other things. Looks like a mining um, vehicle here. Ferropolis. And Grafen Heineken, Germany, right? Wow, that's a. It, it's a little more guttural there. Heineken. I'll leave that alone. Anyway, there's a whole bunch more. Um, so I would urge you to follow this. Um, follow the link that's in the show notes and go and check out the rest of these things. Koitsalati, Finland. I bet you this is pronounced completely different than what I'm saying. <laughs> right, I'm sure it is. <laughs> Mother and child statue. There's oh, a there's the pineapple. Giant pineapple in Bathurst, South Africa. The big pineapple. Pretty neat stuff, folks. Uh, you just have to travel the world to see it all. Big old Genghis Khan statue. All right. Let's hustle on to another... Or do you I have want to, to see admit, something? I didn't know these were really a global thing. Like the U.S. definitely has um, a lot of like weird roadside attractions, but I didn't realize that was a thing in other countries. Yep, go check it out. Gotta travel the world. I do it virtually. So something that I've been talking about for the last year and a half um, has been the Ford F-150 Lightning. They actually have this spelled wrong. Um, maybe they've done a correction on the actual site. But anyway, Ford F-150's Lightning uh, loses a quarter of its range when hauling at max capacity, highlighting one of the biggest drawbacks of electric trucks. Um, the Rivian version of uh, the electric truck that I've seen um, lost what seemed to be a whole lot more when I saw it demonstrated. Uh, but I don't have the true data for that. But AAA set out to test the event. Huh? I'm curious what it lost. I mean, do you mean it lost more or did it lose something else like a bumper? <laughs> Power. No, it just... It, oh, it, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
loading it up and it pulling some static weight behind it 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 just drained like uh, it was just really horrible um, but i don't know what the true weight was i don't know like the grade of the road etc etc but one thing is true when you put more weight in an electric vehicle the battery drains because the torque does not like on a on a internal combustion engine you have to give it more gas but it's a whole lot easier to just fill up a tank with more gas and you can rev the engine and stomp on the gas and the gear works involved um, will compensate with additional torque with additional pulling power whereas an electric motor is either all or nothing typically you can you can change the power and change its acceleration but they're just not geared for pulling static weight constantly like electric trains right the super trains these high speed trains once they're in maglev and they're at speed it's basically little pulses just kind of pushing it along at speed but it has its weight hovering in no real drag other than air but when you've got eight tires or more sitting on the road dragging and pulling all of this dead weight it's going to drain the battery and it's going to drain it fast i'd say that it's probably faster than 25 percent but the truck's full range fell by about 25 percent when loaded to its maximum cargo rating um this is just one more reason why I don't think that they're ready for prime time. Not without fast swapping. Yeah, they fixed the title. Anyway, Graham Rapier um, is the uh, author of this. Um, here is uh, Ford CEO Jim Farley posing with a Ford F-150 uh, Lightning saying, Oh yes, I love you. No? The nights. Uh, that's what the photo looks like. <laughs> the the lights are low. There's only you, me, and a photographer. Let me paint you like one of the French girls. No? Okay. Anyway, I've said too much. The electric truck could go significantly less far when loaded with sandbags. So, yeah. Losing... If your truck is only going, let's say, let's push it and it has 400 miles of range. When you load it up and it can only go 300 miles, that means you're going to have to stop somewhere <laughs> and charge this bad boy up for however long the charger requires you to charge because the battery could probably do more. We really need to fundamentally change now the ideology between um the battery being locked in place and you have to dismantle the contraption just to get to the battery um and whoa 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 um and um essentially fast charging fast battery swap etc you we need to change it now before it's all entrenched in the right. ideology I mean, they put all the evs out on the road and then they're like oh let's do this that's gonna be a major problem uh, imagine trying to retroactively configure teslas for fast swap i, I don't even well, think it's, it's possible like, i mean just think about the regular cars on the road what if they suddenly said oh they all need 
different whatever steering wheels or something i mean it'd yeah. be a mess I, that's not a great analogy but well i mean there's a company that stands to lose probably a billion dollars or more because they have to swap out airbags well that's true you know can you imagine all of the vehicles that need to be converted to fast swap yeah i don't see that happening um here let me throw this into the chat real quick so that um the vod has it and yeah so that's really all that there is to this um let's see here they're testing revealed and and by they i mean triple a's automotive engineering unit said that their testing revealed a significant range reduction but it's important to note that the lightning was loaded to near its maximum capacity you know because trucks don't ever actually reach their capacity and it's if it's 25 percent at maximum then you can scale so if i only put a thousand pounds in the bed of my truck my truck an f-150 yeah a thousand pounds is pretty easy right like i just installed a server that weighs 500 pounds and all it is is basically uh 20 inches by 36 inches uh by uh 24 inches and it was 500 pounds so plopping two of those in the bed of an f-150 means a 12 and a half percent reduction probably more again probably more because if you're going up a hill it's going to drain it even more because all that resistance is there all that friction is there all that dead weight is there um and now it's fighting gravity at the same time so i don't know it says most buyers will likely use their lightning with a lighter load resulting in a much smaller range reduction great great i don't want lab tested range I want real world range. Not marketing hype BS. It's very frustrating because I want an electric vehicle. I want to get away from uh, internal combustion. I like the idea of a quiet car. I grew up with a very loud internal combustion engine by intent. It was when I was a, uh, you know, a much younger person and i wanted to have fun in my car and wasn't seen as utility it wasn't seen as something that got me to places where i wanted to hang out and be it was the place that i wanted to be so i i there was something about making it faster louder better badder stronger i mean just um, it was a mean vehicle and i loved it um but as i got older i said you know cars really to me are more utilitarian i want comfort but i want range i want to be able to get in my car and drive all the way to my destination well somebody later on in this uh series of articles actually did something about it with an ev i don't recall i've seen it before um before it was added to hometown like a year ago i think it was probably longer than that since i've seen this but uh, we'll talk about it here in a minute. Anyway, what do you think? Do you do you think um, EVs are ready for prime time? I'm putting you on the no, spot. No, I don't. So. And I liked this quote where it says, that is ridiculously stupid. This truck can't do normal truck things. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where is that? Oh, there yeah, it is right, right there. Near your cursor. I just yeah. thought that was really funny. Like, 
I don't know an awful lot about trucks, but I'm assuming if you buy a truck, you want to use it like a truck. <laughs> Tyler Hoover, a YouTuber, put his lightning to the test last year and found a 64 mile hauling a journey hauling a trailer zapped 100. Oh, this is why I know it. This is why I know about this already. It was this person. Um, the trucks towing 3,500 pounds can't even go 100 miles, he said. Yeah, it drained the battery. Um, and I think he even makes a comment about it in his video, like um, going, oh my God, this is draining a whole lot. I don't think I'm going to make it to my destination. And I think he barely made it to his destination because it was like 150 miles this way, 150 miles the other way or something like that. Yeah, well, it's 65 miles. Anyway, let's go on to the next article. Whoa, what just happened? Let me do that again. Okay, so um, this next article is in the Mobile Channel. Coca-Cola teams up with League of Legends to market a... Wait, sorry. Um, to create a flavor for gamers. Sorry, and my bias kicked in. Um, my, my business bias kicked in. Um, in many video games, players who overcome challenges like solving puzzles or... Uh, winning fights are rewarded with experience points that make their characters more powerful. Now a new limited edition product made by Coca-Cola with League of Legends publisher Riot Games imagines uh, what that gaming milestone would taste like. Yeah. If you had met me... That's a worrisome. <laughs> if you had met me back in the day when I was pulling 20-hour days playing World of Warcraft, um, I would probably, and you would hear me say it quite loudly, it would probably taste like Hunter's Tears, which makes no sense to anybody who didn't play World of Warcraft. Um, but anyway, this apparently is a, a new flavor, Coca-Cola Ultimate Zero Sugar. I think it's a sexy can. Don't get me wrong. Kind of ruined with... like a beer or something. Yes, that's exactly where I was going with it. <laughs> It looks like it's a Coors can um, with a little splash of red and the little swoosh here to make it a brand with Coca-Cola. Um, but to me, this looks more like a, like a, um, what do they call it? Like an Ready ultra beer. Yeah, well, I mean, just a beer, oh, yeah, but yeah. like one that is a black and tan yeah. kind of a thing, you know? Like a premium or something? Yes, a ultra kind of beer or something, you know, 10% uh, alcohol. Anyway, it's called Ultimate. That's the flavor, Ultimate. It's limited edition, Coca-Cola, zero sugar, no calories, and it's XP flavored. Experience flavored, apparently. So Samantha Nelson over at adweek.com put this article together. Um, you need a full account to view the whole thing of this, but essentially um, this is going to be a limited edition um, product. And it says here, the U S Canada and Mexico will also receive a full sugar version of the drink. I don't know when it's actually going to hit the market, but um perhaps I will the moment that I find out I'll go and get some and I'll bring it into hometown um, and um, discuss it here 
So oh, no. it's interesting that you can you can log into League of Legends. Um, I'm reading this in another source. Um, mm -hmm. Until uh, to complete quests and are in the emotes until July 18th. So I don't know if that matches up with, for instance, is the release going to be around July 18th? I don't know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'll noodle around with it and see if there's something that um, I can do to kind of talk about this and, and highlight it a little bit. I'm curious, you know, if there's something else that's riding along with this. Because it's essentially just. Well, is it Coca-Cola flavored? It doesn't actually say. It but I would say that it sounds like it's available now, but I, it, I don't know. Oh, really? It says well, it's out now, actually. Okay, I'll go and check it out and see if I can get some and bring it in and let you all know what it tastes like if you don't go and get it yourself. But that's okay. Let's go. Uh, let's move on to the next article. So this next article is um, ticking the TikTok time bomb that is will TikTok stay in the United States? This is in the mobile channel. That's where it was aggregated to, but it's coming from the Hill. Senators pressed TikTok on whether uh, the app allowed U.S. data to be stored and accessed by China. Quote, they sent a letter. We write regarding recent report. They sent this to the CEO, Shu uh, Chu, um, saying we write regarding recent reports that TikTok allowed private data about American uh, users to be stored and accessed in China, despite repeated public assurances and congressional testimony that TikTok data was kept in the United States, says Senate, uh, Senators Marsha Blackburn, who's a Republican from Tennessee, and Richard Blumenthal, a Democrat from Connecticut, uh, that wrote that letter in a joint letter, um, according to a press release, and saying that they're disturbed by TikTok's pattern of basically lying and manipulation. So Olafimian Ocean is the author of this, and... Um, here is the TikTok CEO going, huh? Um, completely denying. I thought it was more like, what's, what is the problem here? <laughs> what? Of course, I'm completely controlled by the CCP. Of right. Of course. <laughs> no, you don't say that kind of stuff out loud. Um, you know. I'm a company man. Of course not. No, not unless you're in company of the company. You know what I'm saying? You know, uh, you are below the table until you're at the table. And then you say, I'm here at the table. Um, and then when you step away from the table, you say, I don't even know what you're talking about. What table? Uh, no idea. Um, so the duo cited a recent Forbes report published last month that claimed that the app store, uh, stored American users' most sensitive data, including their social security numbers and tax IDs in accounts that the Chinese Communist Party or CCP um, has access to. Why the hell is this information in their system? It's the same thing that I say about Facebook. You know, the CEO of Facebook called everybody freaking idiots. Those texts are out there. Those messages are out there and people still ignore it. No personally identifiable information should be stored on some app, rando app, you know, it just shouldn't be. Now I trust Apple 
I don't trust somebody in Apple to have right. that has access to the information from not getting fished or being played by somebody pretending to be law enforcement, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So all of that kind of stuff, my eye is on the prize. If anything deviates from my profile that I expect it to be, I shut it all down, all of it down. It, I, I stop all credit. I freeze bank accounts. I do everything. Just lock it down. Why are you putting your tax ID and social security number and any other personally identifiable information on freaking TikTok? <laughs> well, right. I mean, that's a great question. <laughs> I can't think of any valid reason for that. I mean, if you're doing this because now I'm not doing stuff business wise on TikTok, so I don't know if they have some business apparatus in there, but TikTok isn't in the isn't in China. So if it's not even allowed in in China, why would it be why should it be allowed here in the United States grabbing US citizen data and have somebody sitting there saying that it's exfiltrating this data over to China? There are other websites that are completely controlled by China. Well, I should say Chinese companies where people aren't calling them out. So why TikTok? Only because it's got such a massive following and it's visible and it's an easy one to go after. I suppose it's the so low hanging fruit. We should be going fruit. after all of them, right? Yeah. Or yeah. none of them. Like Newegg, for instance, was purchased by a Chinese company. It had a spotless customer service. It was amazing. That was my go-to. And then it got purchased and all kinds of weird shit started happening. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to use it anymore. Quality from uh, other people that I talked to about Newegg, it all went down the drain, etc. So I bowed out and stopped using it. But there's always a reason why people start talking about something, you know? it exfiltrating us data to the CCP doesn't come from a vacuum and is probably because it's sustained. I doubt that it isn't legit. You know, I doubt that it's just marketing trying right. to make uh TikTok the evil, bad person, you know, bad app, whatever. Anyway, they continue to say that they're troubled by TikTok's recurring pattern of providing misleading, inaccurate, and false information. Come on, man. Every politician seems to do that same thing, so hypocrite much. But anyway, unless it is, and it can't be, demonstrably proven that the data is staying in the United States and not being exfiltrated to China... I have a problem with TikTok. Plain and and I guess I don't understand why this is so hard to determine, but I guess it goes to the lack of transparency on the TikTok side. Because is it true that people outside of China don't necessarily have access to any of the, I guess, backbone type information, and so they don't know exactly what's happening with it? How do you mean? Like um, citizens of China? No. Um, I meant like people outside of China. 
like why is it so difficult to determine who actually owns the information and has access to the information? Is it because it's not shared by the owners of TikTok? Well, just because somebody shares something with you doesn't mean that it isn't being diverted somewhere else. For instance, I can walk into a network, into a business, and if there is a wire part of the network exposed and they're not very sophisticated, I can insert a network tap in that and exfiltrate the entirety of data traversing the network. And it's not that hard. All you have to do is fake knowing what you're doing, act like you belong there and people will scoot back from their desk so that you can type something in within their login. Why? Because you're a nice person and you're not, uh, offensive in any way and you're coming across like you're supposed to be there so and and that's accessing somebody's desktop you know surreptitious stuff like being able to put a tap in a line somewhere i can again i can exfiltrate the entirety of a network so just because somebody says here's our network doesn't mean that's their network for instance a target was breached and it was breached at the server level for their point of sale system in such a way that transactions were legally conducted, but the entire data set was split in half and a copy of it exfiltrated to an offsite location. And that went on so long that when it was discovered by an external audit, everybody freaked out because it was millions of transactions. Um, one of my cards had to be replaced because of that breach. Um, and so now I use a one-off card. So even if you were to, to get my personally identifiable information from a site, it's no longer the valid data because it's just a one-off thing it poses problems elsewhere. But anyway, um, this, this issue is going beyond that kind of stuff because there are people that are supposed to be private and unknown to external actors that might be bad actors, but they're using TikTok, And so the information can be mined and perhaps things that put them in a compromising position. Um, you know, Hey, they're really into my little pony, which makes them a brony, which makes them something that they might be ashamed of, which means I can blackmail them. So if it's part of the data set that TikTok is exfiltrating to China, maybe that spy or that agent for the government can be compromised because they don't want anybody to know that they're a brony. I've said too much. <laughs> Let's go on to the next article. I think I threw way too much around, huh? Let's keep going. Well, that more than answered the question. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, anybody out there, if I threw too much at once and it got confusing, let me know. Um, again, I, I'm I'm here for conversation and I, I tend to soapbox a lot uh, because I try and get a lot of information thrown out in an hour, hour and a half now. We're actually heading towards the like two hour mark um, with the way that I've been talking with the AI. So let's get going. 
So this next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. A freight railroad alert has been raised to red as shippers fear more West Coast port tensions. Something we've been talking about for the last two days. Now it's accelerating and going beyond just the West Coast and rumor that it's going to shut down. Union Pacific lifts pause on exports to L.A., Long Beach, um, but the West Coast port volatility spreading to railroads, a freight index ups risk level to severe. Um, this is something we've been watching. Uh, Lori Ann LaRocco is the author over at CNBC. And it says here, uh, Pacific Ocean region is now red on ITS logistics, U.S. port slash rail ramp freight index citing a breakdown in talks. they need to rename that index. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, they probably just call it the port index. Um, citing a, a breakdown in talks between the ILWU and ports and the subsequent shutdowns at terminals up and down the West Coast. This is going to continue, I think. Um, BNSF says it's keeping operations running as normal and uh, the latest rail traffic data does not yet show an impact, but shipping firms are advising clients to keep alternative transportation routes open, um, including through Canada. So bring it all the way up to Canada and then drop it down. Um, yeah, that's well, pretty that's amazing. Interesting. <laughs> the expense is going to be... <laughs> that's <Yeah>. okay. exactly <laughs> i'm starting to think like the ai or the ai is starting to think like me oh no <laughs> all three statements that were just made were identical oh my gosh uh, okay we've been streaming together too long now so i'm gonna have to just uh here hold on let me here i'll just turn off your mic and the uh visualizer and <laughs> y'all can't see the AI throwing me error messages. <laughs> okay. I'll put you back on. Um, so um, the last two months of increased volumes have provided the ILWU leverage to affect operations at the terminals to forward their demands in talks with the Pacific Maritime Association said Paul Brashier, vice president of drayage and intermodal for ITS logistics. So arcane and moody, uh, labels there. The PMA represents the ports and the contract negotiations. Quote, we have moved the Pacific Ocean region to severe from elevated due to the breakdown in those talks and the subsequent shutdowns at a myriad. I think it's only, isn't the grammar for that just myriad at myriad terminals up and down at yes. a myriad of terminals? <sighs> this week in grammar brought to you by Somebody was trying to amplify the writing or something. <laughs> yeah, they get paid by the number of words. Anyway, the Association of American Railroads released its latest U.S. rail traffic for the week ending last Saturday, June 3rd, as well as volumes for May 2023, which show normal freight patterns. So I think it's going to be happening now. And, and <laughs> there is no... Uh, known impact because it's happening now and there's stuff that's in the port they've basically shut down offloading and onloading of stuff that's in the port so some stuff is still getting out <clears throat> if this goes to a strike like a full-on declared strike 
truckers aren't going to just sit there and say everything's cool let me come in and get my stuff they're going to be in um what is it called solidarity with the the labor union at the dock so um i'm pretty sure truckers are gonna chill too at least truckers that are bound towards the port the rest of the truckers that are in middle america and stuff probably wouldn't be impacted but wouldn't bother with this um they're they're paying the bills anyway well, I think it's gonna be um, interesting to see it kind of shift across the u.s because right these products could be going to other places and i think right now it seems to be west coast only but i, yeah. I don't know it's not that they could they are these products are well, going somewhere true. right and other materials are going out to the ports but now they're just going to be sitting there in 40 foot containers hopefully refrigerated ones are plugged in yeah i don't know how it all works um anyway shippers can look to the north and move their freight uh, to canada using bnsf rail to the port of vancouver and port of rupert um, according to its logistics but risks exist as i mean trains become allergic to their tracks with the frequency of a cheap ham radio anyway uh, with the ILW Canada Union voting Thursday and Friday on whether to start a 72-hour strike at those two ports. So, wait until that gets fired across the bow of these billion-dollar, trillion-dollar companies that benefit from all of this. And the smaller businesses that just, they can't weather this. You know, they have to move product. They have to sell stuff to put food on the table and pay their mortgage and lease. This is rough. Well, and all the workers at some point, if they're not unionized, I mean, I could see people start to get terminated. Yep. Which is not what the economy needs. Yep. But everybody that works at the port is going to be employed by a union. Right. Right. So I hope everything is okay. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, that's plan ahead if you're buying anything that requires shipping in any form of transportation. <laughs> yeah, almost could be too late already, but let's see what happens. We'll keep you all informed. So in reference to the previous electric vehicle, um, hometown daily aggregated this article and uh, a YouTuber put a gas generator in his Tesla to avoid plugging in on a 1800 mile road trip. So a YouTuber wanted to make an uh, extra long road trip in his Tesla without having to stop and plug in. Matt Mika, uh, the person behind the channel Warped Perception, built a Model S powered by a gasoline generator. He was able to travel 1,800 miles without stopping at a charger, but the trip wasn't hassle-free. One of the biggest reasons more people don't own an electric vehicle is the charging, which is something that I've been saying since the invention of the Tesla. Tim Levin is the author of this, um, and uh, I've seen a different version of this, a different vehicle, um, where this was actually in the trunk um, of the vehicle, not poking out of the back window. So this is wild. I mean, anyway, I, I won't get into the minutia of it, but businessinsider.com is the source of this article. Let me throw that into... Hold on. 
So I need to put that into the chat. <laughs> and that into the chat. I should just point you to the election, but for crying out loud, I don't, I never do it. And that into the chat. And I think we're like three away. Yeah. So, okay. Um, this article's over at Business Insider. Tim Levin is the author of this. Uh, Matt Mika is the person that created a channel called Warped Perception and built a Model S powered by a gasoline generator. It's charged by a gasoline generator, not powered by. Um, so it's still an electric vehicle, but it feeds the charging system um, by throwing its generated power back into the battery. Essentially, he turned an all-electric um, Tesla into a hybrid. Pardon me one second. So they said, uh, I really like my Tesla, but I don't like stopping to charge, especially on a road trip. I don't even like stopping to fill up my gas-powered car, and that's way faster than charging. Huh. Um, I know that people aren't surprised by my statement of this, uh, but why hasn't the why hasn't the customer base railed more against this been much more vociferous about it just demand that we have fast swap battery tech there are businesses out there that will easily say okay you want to use an electric vehicle um, i'm willing to start up a fast swap battery project but it's going to cost 10 bucks every time you swap out your battery. And in the beginning, I'd really like you to have a contract with me so that I know that I'm getting X amount of money. I can even get a loan against this so that I can develop more. I, I can get investors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this is ridiculous. You know, putting a gas generator in your car just so that you don't have to stop. Yeah, it is ridiculous. I wonder if part of the reason this hasn't really happened yet is because Tesla was really dominating the market for a while. And of course, they weren't utilizing it and there wasn't much competition. I think that's changing. Um, but I also wonder why there aren't government grants to that effect. And maybe there are. There has to be in that company that's doing the fast swap battery tech. And I can't remember it. I know that we've done article. Uh, we've talked about articles. We've done shows that in, involve that fast swap battery tech. Um, I, they have to be grant funded. I mean, it's just a massive enterprise and it has to deal with infrastructure. So you have to get permitting to, to spin up a charging system of that magnitude and a building that's capable of pulling down that much power and all the in-ground stuff to do the swapping, the automation, etc. It's not cheap. Um, and it's not without regulation. So, um, so Mika says he told insider that he'd been planning the project for five years and spent a, over a year and a half designing the system detailed in the video. It charges the Tesla not only when parked, but also while the car is moving, he said in the video. So this gas generator is sitting there running on the back of the car when he's sitting at a park. This thing is going. Gur, 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 gur. Yeah, I clipped that 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 whole me screaming into my mic 
but it's very symbolic of what this thing is probably going to be doing. Um, and I believe I've actually seen this um, video before because this is looking very, very familiar. Sorry, my head. By the way, I had to look it up. Honda was the one with the go-kart with the swappable battery system. Yeah, that's just the go-kart, but there was... Right. There's a company out there that's doing it with uh, cars, uh, but they have to be modified so that they facilitate the fast swap. Uh, since the car consumed more energy than the generator could produce while driving, Mika had to stop for five to six hours per day while the Tesla sat and charged. So it's the same crap. It just had a gas generator sitting on the back on top of it. Ah, so goofy. At hotels, he left the noisy generator running overnight in the parking lot so that he could have a nearly full battery by morning. During one highway stint, he was pulled over for driving too slowly as he tried to keep energy consumption down. <laughs> so it was actually a bust. I mean, he got to do it, but it's still goofy. Spent all that money. But... I'm sure made more money by hyping this um, into subscribers. So kudos. <laughs> All right, let's go on to the next article. Uh, this is over in four wheel tech, which the other one should have been, but it's in hometown daily. Anyway, in the four wheel tech channel, Volvo's next EV is here and it's affordable. The, uh, the $34,950 EX30 is what this new Volvo is. I'm just going to go straight over to the source, and that's Ars Technica. Jonathan M. Gitlin is the author. The next Swedish EV won't break the bank, and it has a tiny carbon footprint to boot. Oh, look, it's being all cute. It's being coy and hiding. <laughs> like it, Yeah, it's like peeking out behind the wall. And we featured this one because we had specifically mentioned that it was coming and that we would put it into the show once it was out. Gotcha. Pretty neat. So at $35,000, this is easily um, the, the near lowest price modern EV that I can find. They, they talk about the Chevy, Chevy Bolt, a Nissan Leaf, and Mini Electric, but... The Mini Electric has horrible range based on my understanding of it. Maybe it's evolved a little bit better. I don't know what its range is. It probably says it in the article, but we'll get there. And the Chevy Bolt is basically uh, a skate. You know, it looks like a it looks like a skate. And uh, I don't want the Bolt, although there are other people out there that love their Chevy Bolt. It's apparently very reliable. It's fun to drive, very speedy for what it is. Um, anyway, it says here, as we noted previously, Volvo says the car will have the lowest carbon footprint of any car it's sold at below 30 metric tons after 124,274 miles. Um, and it says that it's pretty compact too at 166 inches long. 166 inches long. That, that seems very long. Yeah, and the car in the picture doesn't look particularly compact. Huh. It's a bit bigger than a Chevy Bolt? Hold on. I'm sorry. I, I, I don't normally want to do this. Um, EX30, right? 
Um, I think so. Yeah. Huh. So... Yeah, I'll have to look more into this. Because that seems really long. 166 inches. It's almost the same length as a Camaro. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I was going to look to see if there was one that was a comparable size. Anyway, not. I mean, it's 20 inches shorter, but it. this seems like it's a lot bigger. It sounds a lot bigger. Anyway, Volvo is offering two powertrain options for the EX30 in the U.S., both of which use the same 64 kilowatt hour lithium ion battery pack. Um, the single motor extended range uses a rear mounted 268 horsepower, um, electric motor for a range of 275 miles. So roughly 70 miles shorter than your average, um, internal combustion vehicle for Volvo drivers who want a bit more acceleration and don't mind recharging a bit more often. There'll be a twin motor performance variant that adds a second electric motor at the front axle for a total output of 422 horsepower, which is pretty spectacular. Um, and the range drops slightly to 265 miles. So if you want to go somewhere and come back on a single charge, the furthest out you'll go is a two hour drive at, at 65 miles an hour. Anyway. Well, I mean, maybe that's better than the loaded down F-150 or whatever, but. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Oh, it has an oddball steering wheel. <clears throat> like it, it's more like a um, plain yoke than it is. a. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, that's actually the nuts and bolts of that. Um, the simple fact that it has um, that limited range. I. If I were to get anything, I would probably get something like this anyway. Um, I kind of dig it. Only because it's Volvo. It has a great safety record. Volvo in itself has a, a great safety record. Um, them branching into EVs is, works for me. Um, and uh, at least they changed their style to be a little bit more sporty. Here, let's go on to the next article. So uh, I actually called this section in our show notes. Uh, Noctua has a new fan, but uh, I'm that fan. So not only do they have a, a, a new fan, but I'm a fan of this fan company. So it's in the Warcrafter channel, uh, mainly because it comes from a particular source, PC Gamer, and didn't go anywhere else. Noctua makes a mean fan. And some of us are, are pretty mean from time to time, but... <clears throat> We're also full of hot air. <laughs> anyway, the Austrian company's NF, NFS-12B, uh, it says Redux 1200, uh, has dominated the market for our best PC fans guide for years, and they've yet to see anything come close to knocking it off its perch. What might take the top spot is Noctua's newest creation, its next-generation 140mm fan, which has been in the works for a whopping eight years. 
This has actually been going around the block today and yesterday. Um, in fact, um, I was in an early meeting today and um, somebody mentioned uh, electromagnetic fans is where they want to be getting away from bearings. And I told them about the fan showdown. Um, and, uh, they thought it was really cool, but I see, I want silent fans in Noctua's fans, which is something that I recommended to the manufacturer of the tonal. Um, they have very reliable, very quiet, uh, fans and I replace all of my computer case fans with Noctua fans. Um, and, uh, like I said earlier, I was, I put in a, a new server today and, uh, the server has fans that are like screaming. They are just, just amazingly loud. They should almost, they could probably be weaponized, um, how loud they are. Well, I keep going, okay, we need to just swap these fans out for Noctua fans. At least they'll be quieter. Um, anyway, this is actually making its rounds out on the internet. Did I throw, I didn't throw that last article into the chat either. Oh God, I'm never going to get this. Seriously. Here's the Noctua one now too. So this, the Noctua fan has been making its rounds today. Uh, Gamers Nexus actually was talking about it um, recently. It says, worth the wait. This next-gen 140-millimeter fan is genuinely exciting, to say the least. Um, let's see. I want to get to where it actually talks about the nuts and bolts. So basically the first five years from 2015 to 2020, we're basically trying to different designs, searching for one, which really is going to give us performance that they want. Um, they've actually done all kinds of different designs. Um, there was a presentation, some event Computex, um, where they had a demonstration of all of their fan iterations, um, that led to this current one. Um, the, the development phase two all the way to 2022, we actually came up with this impeller uh, that we were really happy with. And so it then actually wasn't until almost the end of 2021 that we could enter that tooling phase and start gearing up. And then from there, it was around 2022 when it started to look like this fan was nearing mass production, but that didn't happen. Noctua is currently having to rerun the final stages of validation for this fan because of a couple of issues discovered towards the end of development. Um, one of the biggest problems that I have with any fan is that hub. Basically, there's a motor in there um, and uh, it will eventually fail. So um, there's a lot of discussion around switching to electromagnetic fans where essentially there's no moving parts other than it sitting on a spindle and um, being spun around by an, an electromagnet that changes its uh, polarity so that it pushes and pulls and is quiet and you don't have to worry about the friction of bearings um i don't know the the nuts and bolts of this particular fan. So I don't know if they actually have that or if they're still using a conventional and it doesn't look like 
off the top of my head, I see it um, using an electromagnetic. There are there's competition out there that does. Um, but the thing that um, my understanding is the thing that's making this different is that they're using a different type of material and they're getting the tolerances down to the point where um, it's almost zero tolerance and it's eliminating the chop that makes um, a fan loud. Um, okay, and well, that's good. And they're breaking up the thing, um, the flow of air because at speed, it basically turns into a fluid. Um, and air is a fluid, it's just not very viscous. But when you start chopping through it with a fan blade or something like that, you get cavitation. It actually generates heat along the edges. Um, and that's just friction with the air molecules. So they actually are uh, creating new materials so that they can do this uh, a certain way and um, increase the tolerances. Meanwhile, uh, fan showdown um, over on YouTube. Just do a search for a fan showdown and you'll pull up the YouTuber. I can't remember the name of the uh, actual streamer. I thought it was Major Hardware. Is is that their name? That might be right. Um, They actually 3D print people's fan submissions and have a competition. Um, so yeah, Major Hardware is the name. Um, so it's pretty neat. I love this well, kind of Noctua stuff. Well, Noctua was in the lead for a long, long time. And then one that basically copied Noctua, I think, beat it. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So, um, And he actually changed the way that things were being processed, which may have played a factor in all of that. And he talks about that kind of stuff anyway. So go and check him out, Major Hardware, um, or just do a search for Fan Showdown and you'll get pulled into the it's down the rabbit hole kind of a thing. And it might motivate you because um, he wants you to take a basic spec for a fan and then augment it with your own design because he um, he's done this before where somebody has approached him and said, hey, we would like a fan design. Are you willing to you know support this effort? And he'll have a competition where people can perhaps get their fan made and i think noctua actually was one of was the very first uh, company to um, propose partnering up with major hardware i think he did oh okay i didn't know that yeah that's not how fan showdown came into being i think fan showdown was running for a couple of years and then noctua showed up and said hey this is really interesting um, instead of shooing them away and saying stop using our stuff that's how you embrace your community. You know, exactly. Look at you, that. <laughs> you don't go and charge your third-party apps $20 million so that you can actually get content what? from the very that? user. <laughs> yeah, never heard of anything like that. Um, anyway, let's go on to the last article for today. And um, let's see what people have to say about this. So this next article is over on the Mobile channel. McDonald's is celebrating Grimace's birthday and everyone's invited. McDonald's is celebrating the birthday of its furry purple mascot Grimace with an epic party. The nostalgia-fueled uh, campaign by agency Wyden and Kennedy uh, New York features limited edition products, a TV commercial, an 8-bit video game, and a fundraiser for Ronald McDonald House charities. The effort kicks off on June 12th with an ad showing uh, Grimace ringing in his new birthday. Um, 
it's in ad week and I don't have, I'm not logged in. So it may not allow me to see everything. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, but there's some odd, uh, things with, there's an ad out there. Let me see if I can pull it up, um, from another source. So sorry about this folks. In terms of what they're going to serve. No, no, no. It's basically here. Let me pull it up. Let me see if I can find it. Um, there's an, there's a, an ad that talks or shows his celebration. Where is it? Hold on. I'm trying to find it. I'm sorry. I did not come prepared. <laughs> Maybe it'll be there. No. Anyway, um, there's an ad that basically has him or it, um, saying, excuse my bad typing and, and, uh, poor language because he's got furry hands, um, and is spoke speaking, writing, typing in like, uh, not in good grammar, right? Not with good grammar. Um, and, uh, I, I'm like, <sighs> If you're going to be creating a character, I don't like the idea of creating a character that uses idiomatic speech um, just because the character might actually have that, that the advertising itself has that. Um, sure, have a book that's written by Grimace and it has that, you know, that speech pattern, whatever it might be, the writing style or whatever that's Grimace centric. But I think the advertising needs to say it in plainer English um, because kids are watching this. Kids are looking at this and I would rather them know how to write a damn sentence than to be appealed to by Grimace. And I must be fun at parties, right? But um, I have I have interacted with other people's children where the parent couldn't get their kid to say certain words and within 30 seconds they are saying that word whatever it might be perfectly because i know how to teach a child how to speak <laughs> um, and it isn't um, showing them leet speak and idiomatic um, speech patterns that are specific to a cartoon character. You know, if you want them to say what is up, you don't merge it into what up, right? That's not how it works. That's not how you get a child to speak clearly or a future adult. Well, I don't even like it when kids oriented characters have off spellings of yeah. names because like, that's what the kid is learning. And then they think that is the correct spelling. So, yeah. Now I love the idea of mascots and I love the idea of the messaging that are associated with this. And, you know, Ronald McDonald house charities, I think is a spectacular, um, organization. Um, but I think if you're going to appeal to children, you should have it compartmentalized so that, a child knows that this is the character speaking 
and this is adult uh, holistic human speech not the character and an ad shouldn't really be the character um and the way that i saw it was the whole ad was basically written by grimace anyway um i'll see if i can find another source and maybe if it uh, rises to the occasion i'll include it in um, tomorrow's uh, show at 9 p.m but that's it for today i'm I am done and the, the AI, you're, you're all set. You don't have anything you want to add to the very end of this? Uh, not for the daily. Uh, I just want to remind everybody that you'll be on later. Um, but check us out tomorrow at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, good night, hometown citizens. I have three cups of coffee that's going to pull me through um, a what might be six hours of playing Diablo starting at 11 going until five or six in the morning. Um, um, this should be fun. Uh, so at the beginning of the show, I introduce you to the latest news, but I, at the end of the show, I always drag you back to the welcome sign. And then I mash that button again. I think I did that right when I pulled us back to the front. So it didn't refresh again because there hasn't been anything in four minutes. That'll change as we add additional sources um, for our news aggregation. What does that say? Biden vetoes bill to cancel student debt relief? Okay, I need to read that because the sentence reads as if he canceled a, a bill to get rid of student debt. Oh, I but see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, I think there is a bill that is, that was being sent um, to cancel the bill that would provide student debt relief. And so he vetoed that bill. Right. You know, uh, it's like very dystopian. It's a, like a bill that's very dystopian being, called the freedom bill which actually yeah. does exist so <laughs> well, there there's a whole art to naming things <laughs> yeah and some succeed and some fail wow i had no that uh, no idea about that um bob's burger actor charged in january 6th he had allegedly I confronted capitol police it was not the main voice actor i checked that um and then when it wasn't i didn't submit it for tonight's articles. yeah i i think i saw that and because i didn't recognize the name i didn't really this was a while obviously it was a while back so um they're still charging people and and running them through yeah well they deserve everything they get um anyway let's see that's it I think we're done, yeah? I think so, and I think I finally figured out that headline <laughs> after rereading it a few times about the student debt relief. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think I'm right, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, so I am Merwat. That is hometown.com, and up there is the AI that already said bye. Do you want to say bye again? No, I kind of jumped the gun. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you all tomorrow, 9 p.m., uh, Eastern and I will be uh, back on in about an hour. Um, I'm going to reorganize and um, 
get situated for the long overnight. Hometown After Dark, I don't know. Late Night Geeks, maybe. Um, but uh, either way, I'll see you uh, in Diablo 4 in just a little bit. Until then, bye bye. Thank you.